We're back in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16 today. Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. If you join me in turning there. You know, we've been singing certain songs today dealing with the resurrection. There was a um, poll that came out. Uh, 2015, and they ask folks about their favorite holiday. And uh, what do you think the favorite holiday was? Christmas. Okay, Christmas. All right, what do you think the second favorite holiday was? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Um, Then came Halloween. Uh, anybody got a guess for the third? What was that? Oh, the fourth one. Yeah, I'm sorry. The fourth one. What was it? I heard somebody say it. Did you say it? Fourth of July. Yeah. Fourth of July. And then with um, 3% of the vote came Easter um, down in fifth. So, um, yeah, so Christmas was first. Thanksgiving was second. Halloween third. The fourth got the fourth, and uh, Easter was fifth with uh, 3%. Um, And that gives you an idea, just I think, in terms of uh, what folks think about and uh, what what maybe even we as a nation value. And uh, certainly glad to see uh, Christmas up there. Um, But uh, if you think about the significant event in the Christian life, uh, what is it? Yeah, the death, burial, and resurrection, right? The events that occur at, at Easter, um, that, that is really the core of Christianity. And um, we're going to be looking at this aspect of the resurrection today. Mark 16, beginning in verse 1, if you'd follow along with me as I read it aloud. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, uh, Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, and he said unto, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And the Lord blessed the reading of his word. You know, we considered the holidays, and uh, Easter certainly, we could say, takes a distant backseat to Christmas. Um, and, and yet, the events that take place at the Easter, Easter time, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, is the, is the core of Christianity. And uh, we are looking at that reality of the resurrection in the passage that, that we're viewing uh, this morning. And, and throughout this passage, you probably saw the word over and over again, affrighted, afraid, trembled, amazed, um, afraid. It continued over and over again multiple times. 
And, and as we, we think about what this passage is teaching, um, it, it, it's pretty simple. Um, it, it, it is an amazing resurrection, right? It is an amazing resurrection. And, um, you know, we, we see this, this amazement, this, this uh, on, on the part of, of these three followers that come into the tomb. They, they, are, they are amazed at what's going on. And in a sense, we, we might say, well, you know, that's kind of surprising. Shouldn't they have known about the resurrection? I mean, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. It's not like this is the first time that the idea of res- resurrection has, has come up. Um, isn't it kind of surprising that, that they were so amazed at the resurrection of, of Jesus? And so um, we're going to take a moment in, in, in just a minute and really look at that concept. Where did this come from? And um, how did it come about? So with that, let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin in verse 1. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that your word would challenge us today, that we would be confident in its truth, that we'd be confident in the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, that uh, as, as we look at uh, the followers of Jesus, who were absolutely amazed at the resurrection, that we too would stand in awe at what you've done. We pray that you challenge our hearts today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 says, And when the Sabbath was passed, um, so remember Sabbath, Saturday, and uh, we count our days a little differently. End of the Sabbath is actually 6 p.m. on Saturday, and so uh, we don't know the exact timing of this. Sometime, though, after 6 p.m. on on Saturday uh, is, is what we're uh, considering here as, as the date. So the Sabbath is passed. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and uh, Salome, or you'll hear it sometimes Salome, depends on if you're going back to the Greek or just our modern pronunciation today. Same person, right? Same person. Um, they come, they brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And, and the first aspect, as we consider the reality of, of the gospel itself, is that the resurrection was essential. And, and we, we just have to consider that, that simple fact that the resurrection was essential. Now, we talk about the cross, right? And we, we, uh, the symbol of Christianity is the cross. Um, but the cross, apart from the resurrection, uh, does not mean anything, right? The, all three parts, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ are essential, and we're going to look at some places that just make that really clear. Romans 1.4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, how, by the resurrection from the dead. All right, so it, it is the resurrection itself that declares to the world the deity of Christ. Um, that's pretty important. Right? That's, that's pretty essential. First uh, Peter 1, verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's that saying? We're saved through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? It had to happen or, or we're not saved. In fact, it's such a core component of the gospel that when Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 15, and describes the gospel itself in verses 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 
And if that's not enough, verse 14 in that same chapter goes on, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Guess what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential to our faith. In fact, it's essential to even the proclamation of the word of God. Verse 17 goes on and says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. You're not forgiven your sins apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it is essential to the gospel message itself. And we have to understand that. If we claim to be saved, then that means that we believe and accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and if, if the resurrection never happened, then guess what? Even if we say that we're saved, we're not, right? We're, we're not. And, and so it's essential. The, the resurrection of, of Christ actually gives us confidence that we too will experience a resurrection one day because he was the first among many brethren and... Uh, Verse 20 even describes that there in 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. You know, why, don't we, why aren't we here worshiping on Friday? I mean, that's, that's the traditional view, right, of, of the crucifixion. Traditional view, Good Friday, right, the, the date. Now, some scholars debate that. But let's just say Good Friday, okay? Why aren't we here on Friday? Why are we all meeting together on, on Sunday, I mean, uh, yeah, plenty of songs about the cross. And I'm not saying we, we don't look to the cross as a symbol of, of, uh, that, that points to what Jesus did for us. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad symbol. Nothing wrong with that. But we're not here on Friday. Why not Saturday? Remember, Saturday was the Sabbath. I mean, that, that's when Jews met to worship. Why aren't we here on Saturday? Why don't we worship on the Sabbath? Well, everything changed. And it changed when Jesus rose on Sunday. And so when when we worship, we worship on the day of the resurrection. Why? Because it is essential. It's at the core of Christianity. We, We don't worship on the day of his death. We worship... We don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on the day of Jesus' resurrection. Even when we talk about Easter, you often hear it referred to as Resurrection Sunday. In a sense, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We're looking back to the resurrection. That's why we meet on Sunday. That's why we get together on Sunday. And and as you you think about this, um, how how essential this this is, is a time to, to, to meet. You know, do we ever lose some of the amazement? Right? Oh, it's Sunday again. Right? Uh, we, we shouldn't lose that amazement. It ought to be so much a part of, of who we are and what we believe that, that we are just, just constantly considering how wonderful the resurrection is. Our passage today here in, in Mark 16 Verse 1 through 3 goes on, gives us a description here. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, so now it's at least after Saturday at 6 p.m., three people are mentioned, Mary Magdalene, and we've mentioned her before. Uh, Jesus cast the demons out of her. She was a faithful follower of Jesus. The second person mentioned Mary, the mother of James. We know less about her. Don't know as much information about her. Um, 
in terms of the, the details. But the, the last one here mentioned, um, and, and Salome, right? Uh, remember, this is the wife of Zebedee. So James and John, the disciples, this would be their mother. And so the Sabbath's over at 6 p.m. We've got the three women coming here. It says in verse 1, they had brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And it goes on and says, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. All right, so first day of the week now. Sunday, right? We're on to Sunday. They said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? So somewhere between the end of the Sabbath, 6 p.m. Saturday, they go out, they buy the spices... Now, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different from our day. They, they didn't embalm like we do, right? They didn't embalm. And so what they would do is they would take spices. Uh, the, the word literally has the root of aromatics, right? Good smelling things. And um, they, they would treat the body with that because as it was beginning to decay, it would stink, right? It would smell. And, and, and so it would, would help come, cover the spell. They wanted to show their love for Jesus, right? And they wanted to show honor to his body by bringing these spices uh, to help with the smell. And th- there's a big problem, right? They're approaching the tomb, and, and there's a big problem going on in their mind. In the middle of verse 3, they say, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Now, um, first of all, they've bought spices, they're expecting the tomb to be closed, but when they come in, right, they're, they're, there's something that they, they were expecting to happen, and they were expecting a body to be in there, right? So, so that, that, that's the first problem going on. Um, there is no body for them to come in and, and anoint. That, that's a big issue. Second problem going on is they're coming to the tomb, uh, but there's a big stone in front of the tomb, and they don't know how to move it. I say, well, it's three of them. Couldn't they handle it? Well, <laughs> think of it this way, okay? The, the stones, we, we often think of a big round rock, a boulder, right? That, that's not what this was. This would have been more like a disc, okay? So a, a stone that, that was round, that was basically flattened, so maybe four, five, six inches thick, okay? And a, and a big, big boulder, you know, maybe this tall, I mean, large size, and, and often what would happen is there is a trench in front of the tomb that, that that stone would sit in, you know, almost like a rail, right? It could just be rolled in that rail, rolled out, rolled back. And, and a lot of times they would have one side of the stone that was kind of flat, you know, so when it got in front of the door, it would just sit there and you wouldn't have to worry about it rolling away. All right, so you got this, this giant flat disc of a rock in front of the door, and, and they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, it's, it's sitting there, it's in the trench, it's got a flat side so it doesn't just start rolling easily, you, you need a lot of force to get it going. And, and, and they're, they're considering it and saying, I don't think we can get this done. <laughs> right, that's what's going through their mind. There's three of us, I don't think we can get this done. And so, um, so they, they have this, this problem. All right, so the other problem we already mentioned, right? They were expecting a body to be there, and there, there wasn't one there. But, you know, they, they really should have known that the body wasn't going to be there. And that's the second point. The, the question is, is, is very simple. Should the resurrection be expected? Right? Should the resurrection be expected? Let's look at a couple verses that we've already read and covered in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark 8, verse 31, beginning of verse 31. 
It says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And if that's not enough, verse 32 starts, And he spake that saying openly. Right? He made it very plain. He made it very clear. Uh, I'm going to die. Three days later, I will rise. Right? No, no doubt about it. Mark 9.31. Look ahead, next chapter. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Any question about that? Is that ambiguous at all? Pretty clear, right? You, you would think this should be expected. Mark 10. Mark 10, next chapter, beginning of verse 32. And they were in the way, going up to Jerusalem. Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Pretty clear, right? (laughs) I mean... That's, that's a pretty detailed description of the events that took place leading up to and through the crucifixion up to the resurrection of, of Jesus. And he explained all of that in advance. And uh, I heard someone describe it this way. I thought it was really interesting. He, he said, you know, these ladies, their thinking should have been something like this, okay? Yeah, we, we heard what Jesus said. We really want to, to honor him. We know that he's going to be resurrected the third day. Let's go out. Let's go buy some spices, but let's go somewhere that accepts returns and we'll keep our receipt, right? <laughs> that, that probably should have been the, the thought process going in their mind. Uh, be, because when, when they get there on the third day, there's a good chance the body's not there. Right? And, and that's what they found. Three times Jesus said he would die. And all three times he said that he would be raised again the third day. So, well, may, maybe they just didn't understand it. Maybe they didn't get it. Right? Uh, some people said, well, maybe it was, just, you know, the, the ladies didn't understand it or whatever. Well, first of all, at least the ladies were there. Right? We're the disciples at this point. They're off still running and hiding. Let's, let's be clear about this. The, the ladies are there. Uh, the, the, the disciples are still, still running away and, and, and hiding after the events of the crucifixion. Uh, well, maybe in the, the midst of the conversation, they just missed that, that description. You know, maybe they were so shocked about Jesus dying that they didn't really pay attention to the, the resurrection part at the end. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe they did hear it, but... They just didn't quite believe it. You ever have a, a verse in the Bible that, that you hear it, you read what it says, and you just kind of wonder about it a little bit? Will, will it really be like that? You ever come to a verse like that? I, I think if we're honest, uh, most people would say there, there's something like that. You know, maybe it's a verse about the second coming or the rapture. Um, you read about Jesus coming in the clouds, believers going to meet him in the air, and, and you read about that, and you say, well, really, really, really be like that? Right? And, and people will hear things like that, and they'll try to explain it away. Well, that's, that's just a metaphor. That's, that's kind of a spiritual event or a spiritual description. That, that's not actually a phys- physical event. Or, or, or they'll come up with things and say, well, you know, our church tradition, and then fill in the blank, where somebody in history has explained away a clear verse of the Bible with something else, 
you know, maybe they were doing something in that day that's something like what believers today are, are doing all the time. But you know, that's not what we should do. When God says something, we ought to just accept it as truth. It's going to happen. He's going to do what he says. And, and so we, we, we shouldn't be too hard, I think, uh, on, on what went on. Because uh, honestly, we have the same challenges, the same problems today. We see it today. Third point is very simple. The resurrection was supernatural. Verse 4 says, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. You know, we, we described it before. It's like a disc, like a frisbee, right? Rolled in the channel. Um, and so it would have rolled down a hill to rest on the flat side, to roll it away. Something would have had to overcome the force of the flat side, plus roll it up that hill a little bit, and then locked it in place. Um, how did it get moved? Well, we don't find that exact answer in Mark, but Matthew 28, 2 tells us, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. <laughs> how did it happen? It's supernatural. God sent an angel, and an angel did it. And, uh, you know, maybe we're tempted to think, well, that stone had to be rolled away or else Jesus could, couldn't get out. Well, well, no, it didn't have to be rolled away. Jesus could have walked right through that stone if he wanted to. Right? I mean, Jesus can do whatever he wants. Uh, it, it didn't have to, to happen. Jesus could have left the tomb without it ever being opened. He, he could have done that. that. That would have been his right. That would have been his privilege. And uh, why was it moved? Well, there were three women coming that morning. And they needed to see what was going on inside the tomb. And so Jesus had the stone moved. So when those three ladies who came to honor him would arrive, they would know what was going on. Not only that, he left a messenger to tell them about it. What did he want them to understand? He wanted to under them to understand about his resurrection, that he was risen. You know, if that's not amazing enough, look at verse 5. In entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. They were afraid, or we could even say amazed. And, and who was that man? Well, it's the same angel that's in Matthew's account, or, or perhaps another angel. In fact, other Gospels make it clear that there's more than one angel who's, who's present. Mark focuses just on the one uh, who's speaking to them. How did it come about? Well, the, the angel moved the stone. Mary didn't do it. The ladies didn't do it. It was supernatural. God sent an angel, and the angel rolled the stone away. And instead of doubting what was going on, they, they should have just trusted. Luke 24, 4 says, And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Um, and, and so the question is simple. Do you believe that miracles happen? Can God do supernatural things? And the answer, of course, should, should be simple. Sure, sure he can, right? Sure he can. Uh, but a lot of times the things that we hear about today as being supernatural are, are sometimes thrown out there by charlatans, right? Folks who are trying to deceive people. You know, we, we hear these, these people on TV and they say, well, I'm a faith healer, I'm a miracle worker. Right? And, and they, they say that they're, they're doing something. Or they say, hey, you want something. Send, him, send me your $20 seed money and then God will work. You know, it's amazing. Before God works, there always has to be the offering first. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's planned. Right? That's by design. And that's by man's design and Satan's design to deceive. 
think about what's going on. You say, well, is that a miracle, right? When, when, when these guys are out there tricking people. No, that's not a miracle. But can God do miracles? Yeah, God can do miracles. He can do miracles. The Lord can do what is supernatural. He has that right. He has that privilege. And so when we're talking about the resurrection, the resurrection was supernatural. Fourthly, the resurrection was historical. There's some people today who don't believe in a historical resurrection. Verse 6 makes it very clear. It says, And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. You know, there, there are people who talk about something like, we need to have an Easter faith. Right? They'll use a term like that. Right? The, the great story of Easter can change lives. You know, it, it's an incredible story that will change your entire destiny. Yeah, but, but did it actually happen? Right? You, you ask that question. Did it actually happen? What's the, well, it, it doesn't really matter. It's an incredible story that can change your life. There are folks like that today with that type of response today. What do you mean it doesn't matter? Don't you read your Bible? Don't you believe what your Bible says? What's the response? Well, I love the Bible. It is full of incredible life-changing stories, powerful stories. But do you believe they really happened? Well, it doesn't really matter what I believe. It could change your life. It matters what you believe. It matters what you believe. And, and just look at verse 6, how historically precise that verse is written. Right? Be not afraid, you seek who? Jesus. And not just any Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. That particular Jesus, the one born in Nazareth. Who, who is this one? The, the one who was crucified. Actual, physical event. This happened to his body. That Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He had been laid in this tomb. But guess what? He is risen. He is not here. And if you have any doubt, look right here. Because that's where his body was laid. An actual, historical event. And there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt who he's talking about. And if that's not enough, look at the shelf he was laid on. It's right here for you to see. Verse 7 says, But go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him, as he said unto you. How can they see him? Because the resurrection was a historical fact. He is risen. And you, you notice here in this verse, Peter singled out. Right? Peter is singled out. Now, Peter, lead disciple, the, the one who was bold among all the disciples, the one who declared before Jesus is the Christ. Right? That, that Peter. He's also the Peter who betrayed his Lord three times. Right? Jesus singles him out. Why? Not, not because he's not one of the disciples, but rather Peter's probably still a little shaken after the events of the crucifixion. You, you can imagine after that cock would crow three times after the different times in which Jesus was betrayed. And Jesus wants to make it very clear. Peter's welcome. Peter needs to be there. He's one of my disciples. I want Peter there. Think about Peter later on writing in 2 Peter. In chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables 
would we made unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Jesus told me to be there. And guess what? I saw him. This isn't made up. This is not some fable or tale. This actually happened. It's a historical event. And I witnessed it. Peter is what we believe is the primary source of Mark's gospel account, the actual writing that we're reading here. Peter is the one who's saying, yeah, we're not following tales or fables. These actually happen. And guess what? We believe it. Not simply because somebody wrote about it. We lived it. We saw it. It was an actual historical event. Jesus is risen. Fifthly, the resurrection was amazing. Verse 5 says that when the women went into the sepulcher, they saw a young man clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Your version may say amazed there, right? Different ways of, of describing that Greek word. When we use the word amazed, often we will use it in, in just a way where it kind of minimizes the significance of the word, right? We'll, we'll call something amazing. You know, like my football team wins, and I say, wow, that was amazing, right? But you know what? One of those team, two teams was probably going to win. Either way, it wasn't really all that amazing. I mean, somebody was going to win, somebody was probably going to lose, and it, it wasn't really all that incredible. But, but that's what we say, right? That's what we, we say, well, that was amazing. You know, the, the word actually means to, to be moved to a relatively intense emotional state because of something, right? Or, or something causing great supply, surprise or perplexity, being perplexed. Another way to describe to be greatly astounded. Now, that, there are certain events where, where you see something, you're like, whoa, right? I watched a video of, of two Black Hawk helicopters of the Utah National Guard crashing on the side of a snowy mountain, right? Nobody was hurt, praise the Lord. But, but you watch that happen, right? And I was amazed. It's like, whoa. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Right? I'm glad nobody was hurt. But it, but it was an incredible sight. You see these two, two helicopters both coming down on the ground in, in hard landings. I imagine they were amazed as well, <laughs> right? That, that's the word amazing, right? Who, who won the football game? Eh, not so amazing. Right? I may like it. I might be excited about it, but not so amazing. This is something that is an incredible occurrence. They are actually truly amazed. And... In fact, this word only occurs in Mark's gospel. It's the same word that's found in another place in the gospel at the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, where it says, speaking of Jesus here in the garden, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. He take it with him, Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Right? Jesus is preparing to drink the cup. Guess what? He's amazed. He is perplexed. He is considering what's about to happen. He's like, whoa. <laughs> That's what's going on here with these ladies. And if that's not enough, look at verse 8, the end of this, this chapter here, uh, the, the, the um, last uh, verse of this section here, verse 8. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Amazed, afraid, shocked, right? They went out, beginning of the verse, and they fled. They were running. They were escaping. You know, one of the things that's easy to happen is for repetition just to lead to apathy. Right? We, we, okay, well, I, I go to church every week. I go to church every week. I go to church every week. Ah, uh, there'll be a message this week. There was a message last week. There was a message the week before that. And, and what happens? We, we become apathetic. 
right? It's easy to become apathetic. And something that's very special just becomes a routine, or it's just something that's rehearsed. And honestly, we, we talk so much about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In some way, that can even become routine in our minds. Yeah, I know, Jesus died. Yeah, we, we talk about it every Sunday. And I, I know he was buried. I know he rose. I, we do Easter every year. We, we do Christmas every year. It is easy to get apathetic in these things. And we, we just get cold. A, a text like this reminds us of what they were experiencing at the first moment when they realized, my Savior, my Jesus, is risen. And that ought to, we ought to just catch a little bit of their amazement and, and just relive it again, right? It is something that ought to cause us to just get a little bit excited. To say, wow, that's incredible. My God, my Savior who came to earth, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And that is absolutely incredible. You don't see that every day, right? We may hear about it weekly, but you don't see that every day. So what should this remind us? First of all, we should celebrate the resurrection, right? We, we, we should celebrate the resurrection, and that's why we're here. It's Resurrection Sunday. That's why we're here on Sunday. Secondly, let's make sure we believe God's promises. You know, you know it, it's, it's easy to read verses about what God's doing and to start doubting the promises of God, right? When we face challenges, often we fail to trust what did, what did God say? You ask for bread, I won't give you a stone. Right? You ask for a fish, you won't get a serpent. Ask and you'll see, receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened. Guess what? That's true. And when God makes a promise, he will keep it. And so when we face challenges of life, we should know that God will be there with us through those challenges, those difficulties, and those trials. And we can trust him in the midst of it. And we can go to him and we can ask and, and we will receive. That is his promise. And so whatever's going on, we, we trust his word. We don't doubt it. We don't change it. We just say it's true. Thirdly is this, God's a God who does miracles. And we can believe in miraculous answers to prayer. God can do that. God can do that. We shouldn't doubt it. Four, we should believe the resurrection was a historical event. It actually happened. It actually took place. There was an actual place. There was a physical tomb. Jesus' body was laid in that tomb. His actual physical body was laid in that tomb. Guess what? Three days later, he rose again. Actual historical event. Fifth, pretty simple. Let's be amazed at the gospel. You know, that the Son of God would voluntarily leave heaven, come to earth that he would live among sinful men, that he would suffer and be shamed and then die on a cross for the sins of the world, be buried, and then raised again the third day. Why would the God of heaven send his son to go through all that for the sake of his creation? That is amazing. It's based on his love. I don't understand it. That's amazing. And you know what it is? It's good news. And that's what gospel means. And so, as we consider what our study together has been in the Gospel of Mark, that's what it is. It is the good news, right? According to Mark, as recorded for us, poor Mark, the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. 
Father, we pray that today we would be amazed. That we would just simply stand in awe at what your word teaches. What you've done for us. Father, we pray that you would encourage our hearts today. Father, we pray that the truth of the resurrection would be something that is fresh. Something that is exciting. Father, we would consider once again your love for us. Father, I pray for those listening who've never put their trust in Jesus to save them. Who've never recognized that this great sacrifice of Jesus, his death, his burial, and resurrection was for the sins of the world. That by believing in him, our sins can be forgiven. We can know we have eternal life and that we'll spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, I pray for those listening who have never done that. I pray that today would be that day of salvation, that they would believe. Father, for the rest of us, help us to take your word as it is, be amazed at who you are. Father, we pray that you would work in our lives and hearts today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.